Well, good morning. We're in the series dealing with the DNA of the church. And when you think, when you ask the question, uh, how will the church make a difference? Or even more personally, how will you make a difference with your life? It sort of depends on uh, what the mission uh, that you are living by. What is that particular mission? A uh, mission isn't just a duty. It's not just a task. Uh, it's, it's a dream. It's a vision. It's a hope. It's a purpose that drives your life. And we're calling this series the DNA, DNA of Parkview. Uh, just to give you an example, the Apostle Paul took his mission, his personal mission that God gave him so personally. Actually, he said in Acts 20, life is worth nothing unless I do it for the work that God assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others about the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. A couple of weeks ago in your bulletin, you were given this the sheet of the the DNA of Parkview. We do have these at the Connect counter if you want to get some. And so let me just remind you real quickly, uh, the vision of, or the mission of, of Parkview is pursuing Jesus together in everyday life. The vision is to be a church where Jesus transforms lives, renews the city, impacts the world. And this is what we're covering right now, the plan. What's the plan to accomplish that? The mission is what is God calling us to? The vision is what does it look like in the next generation? And the plan is how do you accomplish it? And those three keywords, gather, grow, go. And today we're looking at that third word, uh, go. And so if we're going to be pursuing Jesus, and if we're going to be growing in what he has to say for our lives, then what did Jesus actually say? When we think of the word grow or go, uh, most people will think of one of the great commissions. There are five great commissions. There's one in each gospel. There's one in Acts. But we're going to look at the one in Matthew. And so let's read this together. Let's all stand up and read this great commission aloud. And you're going to see the word go in it as we read it. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am to the end of the age. Was that just a slide malfunction, I think? Okay. <laughs> go ahead and have a seat. Thank you all. So did you see that word go? Now let's look at it again, that, that first slide. And the first slide, you'll, you'll notice, though, that there's only one phrase in red. There's really only one imperative. There's only one command. And the command there is to make disciples. Now, the, the verbs in green are present participles going, baptizing, teaching. So the DNA as a church of Parkview is really boiled down to, is Parkview as a church making disciples? Are lives being transformed? or those lives that are being transformed, is, is it having impact on, on the city and on the world? So what is a disciple? Uh, the root, mouth, the, the root of disciple really just means one who follows one's teachings. It's, it's not just referring to those who trust Christ and can expect someday to ultimately be in heaven. It's referring to those who make a decision to follow Christ and really bring heaven down to earth. So to impact the world around us, it makes an impact. 
So we're, we're not satisfied with just being numbered someday uh, in glory, but it's really being numbered in the nasty here now. Uh, we want to make an impact. We want there to be in our lives uh, uh, the continuation of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when you look in John chapter 1, we find that Jesus was the exegesis of the Father. In other words, Jesus explained the Father. When you look at Jesus, you see God. And for a disciple, a disciple is an explanation, an exegesis of Jesus, of, of Jesus Christ. So the bottom line for the church then is that are we making disciples who are really incarnations of Jesus Christ? So are we people who are really making a difference? Are we going through life, making a difference on our community, in the lives of others, and on our world. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God a lot. And the kingdom of God, really, when Jesus was referring to it, wasn't just meant to be a picture of streets of gold where believers walk down sipping iced tea and, you know, admiring beautiful parks and there's no gnats or rats or snakes or flies, things like that. Uh, but the kingdom of God in the mind of Jesus was a very powerful reality. It's real. It's down to earth. It's present. It's powerful. And disciples then, people who are making a difference, are those who really are invading this earth with the very love of God. And so th this whole process is defined by these three controlling present participles. And the first one is this participle going as you are going through life and that's why in the in the mission statement of Parkview if you look at it if you if you have it there pursuing Jesus together in everyday life that makes the assumption that you are going in life uh, so it, it's more than just coming it's going you do come to, to gather and to grow, but it doesn't stop there. It's also going, uh, making an impact. So let me give you an illustration of that. So let's say that the coming, the, the gathering, the growing together, absolutely essential. I, I'm not minimizing that at all. It's absolutely essential. Let's equate that to how many of you got to see a football game yesterday? TV, person, Okay, a number of you got to, to see it. And so when the team got on the field and before the team hiked the ball to move the ball down the field, what did they do? They got together in a huddle. Why did they huddle up? They huddled up in order to call a play. They wanted to get together to get on the same, p on the same page so that the team, the purpose was then to move the ball down the field. It wasn't just to gather up. That wasn't the objective of the game. I mean, it was a very real, necessary part of it. Kirk Ferentz and all the, all the support staff and staff and coaches spent a week getting ready to move the ball down the field, okay? But you didn't go to the game to sit there in the stands and watch the team sit in a huddle. Wow, what an awesome huddle. You see that huddle? Look, 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 they're going to actually broadcast what the play the quarterback's going to call. Oh, that was an awesome play. Let's tape it. Let, let's send it out on Wi-Fi so other people can hear the play. No, the objective is absolutely call the play in order to move the ball down the field. And so that's as you are going, we're pursuing Jesus 
in everyday life which assumes we're moving the ball down the field in life. And that means when you're at school, when you're um, on rotations, whether you're in a store visiting your friends, visiting your neighbors, if you're a teacher or whether you're a student or a coach, you're moving the ball down the field. That's the going. As you are going through life, something is going to be happened that's going to transform lives, and that could be that command, make disciples. Second uh, participle is baptizing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I love that. That film was awesome. It did a great job of showing uh, the power of the Trinity. Now, and what he's saying, a lot of times when we hear the word baptizing, I know what we think. All we're thinking is uh, God, God wants wet Christians, not dry Christians. We just need to go through this process called baptism, but that's not at all what Jesus was referring to at this particular time. But what he's saying is we need disciples that have, that are going to make a difference in the world. They have to have an absolute new orientation to life. They have got to be immersed in incarnation reality. They have got to be immersed in the Godhead. They've got to look at life through the eyes of their Trinitarian God. The video just spelled it out perfectly. You have to view life through the eyes of your Trinitarian God as you're going through life. So as you go through life, you're just not a student going to the University of Iowa. You're God's representative as you go to the University of Iowa. So that when other people look at you, they look and see what it would be like for Jesus to go to school. Or if you're a teacher... You're God's representative. You're not just a teacher. If you're a nurse or a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're a farmer, you're God's representative in that particular vocation so that people get to see exactly what Jesus would look like if he were doing uh, those things. The disciple says, look, world, you're not my boss anymore. I've got a new job. I've got a new job description, and I work for an entirely new master. And this is why, really, I mean, yes, I mean, we have, people have wonderful ministries here at Parkview, and I, I don't want to underplay that at all. And everybody should serve in some capacity uh, as we gather together in our in-house ministries. But, you know, where you're spending most of your time, as you're going through life, you're spending most of your time in your outhouse ministry. Well, that doesn't sound good. But outside of the church, uh, you're Perhaps your greatest, most impactful ministry in life is going to be as you're going through life. Um, again, it could be as a teacher, it could be as a farmer, it could be as a truck driver, it could be as a, as a, um, a, a professional student. There are a number of those too. Um, but what, what are you going to be doing then? What's going to happen when you're living, as you're going through life? So going baptizing, and then the third participle is teaching them. Teaching them what? Is it teaching the Bible? Well, yeah, absolutely it's teaching the Bible. It's, teach, it's teaching bibliology, pneumatology, anthropology, ecclesiology, angelology, hamartiology, Christiology. Yeah, it's, it's all of those things, absolutely, but that's not the rest of the story. Look what it says right here, teaching them to obey or teaching them to ESV to observe all that I've commanded you. So teaching never, ever was intended to stop with information. We're to teach in order to obey so that it impacts 
the going through life so cities can be transformed, so that worlds can be changed, people's lives can be um, motivated. So God isn't impressed just because people hear the word and know the word. God is impressed because they do the word. So discipleship isn't merely what you know. Discipleship really, if, if that mission of changing the world isn't going to become a reality, discipleship then is what you execute in life. Teach them to obey. And you, but, but again, you can't execute what you don't know. So Kurt Ferentz didn't get the Iowa football team, sent him out on the field, and he says, okay, guys, go play football. And then they just all start running around playing football. Well, I'm a tackle, so I'll just go out and tackle somebody. You know, I'm a guard, I'll do this. I, I'm a running back, so I'll just start, I'll get a ball and start running. No, you, you have to know before you execute. That's why it's gather, you have to gather, you have to grow, and then there's also the going. And, and believe me, let me tell you folks, and this is why Parkview has always stood on, on the Bible. This is why every Sunday, it doesn't matter who's preaching, every Sunday, the Bible is explained. The Bible is lifted up. I'll tell you what, the, the, this is the only playbook that's breathed out by God, the only one. It's written for every group of people. It's written for every nation. It's written, written for every people of every millennia. It was written over 1,500 years, compiled by over four, 40 different authors. It was written in Hebrew, in Aramaic, it was written in Greek. And the Bible says, Psalm 19, it is this playbook is absolutely perfect. Hebrews 4 says, it's living and active. You're able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. But it also says, Psalm 119, it says, thy word, the Bible, is a lamp to my what? A lamp to my, does anybody know the next word? It's a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The whole thought here is it's not just a light for my head, like, ding, oh, I know more information. But it's actually a light so that I can be in the process of going through life. And that's why, that's why you know, Parkview does a wonderful job of having so many opportunities to help you know the playbook so that you can be going. Some of you I, I know are, are new. You're, you're new to the Christian faith. I was talking to a, a couple of people after the first service, and they were interested uh, just in how do you know the Bible. So, for example, in two weeks, not next week, we're all together. What time? 10.30. That's right. You can come at 9 and help us set up. That'd be great. But if you come at 10.30, that's when everybody's going to meet together. Fall kickoff, it's going to be absolutely awesome. We're going to start this new series. Be sure and get your DNA uh book. It's really well done. I read most of it last week. It's, it's an awesome book. It's going to be an awesome series. But um, the week after that, we're going to start a series on the Old Testament. For some of you, you, you have no clue what half the playbook is all about. So it's designed for new people to give them an idea of what the Old Testament is. We're going to go through every single series, every single aspect of the Old Testament 
in nine weeks, but it's, it doesn't just, it's not just the light bulb in the head. There are going to be things like, how do you read it? How do you study it? How do you, how do you harmonize it with life? Uh, how, how do you live it in society? Uh, how do you live out the Proverbs? How do you pray through the Psalms? So that's what it's designed for, and we have lots of opportunities like that. Folks, listen. Um, the, the Bible is, this Bible, this playbook is the most amazing book in the world. It's un, absolutely unequaled in its influence. It's audacious in its claims, and it's unrivaled in its power. It can take a very hardened sinner and turn that hardened sinner into a very humble saint that's used for the glory of God. And that's, that's, our, that's our mission, and, and that's our vision, to be a church where Jesus transforms lives. Thankfully, I mean, that sounds like a lot. Thankfully, you get to the end, and it says, Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want us to look at one more participle. Actually, it's a nominative noun, but I'm going to turn it into a participle. But it is one of, the, one of the five great commissions. There's one in each gospel. We're going to look at the first and the second. And the fifth one is in Acts, Acts 1.8. And I'm going to use the participle witnessing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I want to borrow a slogan from the environmentalists. I think it fits really well with Acts 1-8, and it's this. Think globally, but act locally. It's perfect for Acts 1-8. Think globally, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, but act where we can act personally now as, as we go through life, act it locally. Well, what's a witness? A witness is just someone who shares from personal experience. You might have act, uh, been a witness to an accident. You might have been a witness to a birth. Or like yesterday, Cheryl and I were a, a witness to a wedding. There's somebody who grew up here at Parkview, and they got married yesterday. It was, it was awesome. We were witnesses to a wedding, and basically there's only one qualification to be a witness, and that's you were there when it happened. And you tell the story of what happened and how did it impact you. You observed it. Or like the, the, the guy who, I mean, he was an absolute brand story as a witness was, look, it's real simple. I once was blind, now I see. That was, his, that was the only thing he knew at that particular moment. He was a witness. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your, what your vocation is. You could be a physician, you could be a, a nurse or a, a, a student, um, carpenter, doesn't matter what it is. Our avocation is, as we're going through that vocation, our avocation is being a witness to what Jesus has done. Oh, what's the motive? The motive is because of God's love. Because we love God, God loves us, and our love for others. And we saw this verse earlier today, this morning, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. And we, we'll look at this one a little bit later. In 2 Peter 3, 9, he's patient toward us. He doesn't want anyone to perish but all to come to repentance. In other words, everybody matters to God. You know, God loves us, we love God, and we love others. And that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, for Christ's love compels us. 
because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. Folks, listen, I, I know you've heard it in one way or another, but people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you really care. Um, you, you, could, you could have come up with a cure for cancer. And I'll tell you what, though, if you keep that a secret, that's a crime. And you could be very well off and have an awful lot, a lot of food in your house, but if your next-door neighbor is starving to death and you let them starve to death, that's, that's a crime. Uh, so the mission, then, is to bring people into God's family. The motive is love. If that's true, then, then what's the message? There's got to be a message. And again, I love the video. That, that was a wonderful way to put the message. When, we, when you get into the Parkview DNA book, when you get into week four, study chapter one, it's a wonderful, easy way uh, to, look, to look at the story. My problem, act one, act two, act three. My problem, God's solution, what's the result? So here's another way. I've got it there in, in your notes. What's the good news? And I actually started with act three, the result. The result is fulfillment. And Jesus says, you know, what is it people need? I, I've come that you might have life, that you might have life the way life was intended to be, that you might have life uh, to its absolute fullest. Well, um, in that case, then what's the problem? The, pr the problem is, you're going to get to it in here, the, the problem is uh, we're stuck. We're in bondage. We're, we're not free. Or here, you'd say fulfillment and then freedom. And so we need somebody to set us free. And, and John 8 says, so if the Son sets you free, that's the only way you're going to be free. Because you'll see it in here. I mean, we're stuck in ourselves. And we think we're the solution, and we're not the solution. We get stuck, and we get trapped, and we get trapped in ourselves. We get trapped in relationships. We get, we get trapped in our guilt in the past. We get trapped in resentment or bitterness or boredom. We get trapped in the expectations of others. We get trapped thinking the only thing that's going to make me happy is living in the right place or having the right job. And, and it, it's just not true. And the only thing that can, that can break you free from that is Jesus. And how's he going to do that? Forgiveness. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that, that would be just like when you get to week four. That's act one, act two, act three. Right there in one verse. Act one, for the wages of sin, that's my problem, is death. What's, well, what's God's solution? But the free gift of God, that's Jesus. And then what's the result? Eternal life. I've come that you might have life. I have it to the full. Well, then, what, if, if that's what the message is, and it's not a complicated message, then what's the method of getting it out? We're, we've got to be going, so what's the method? What's the method as we're going, as we're going in life? Basically, two words, live it and share it. Those two things, live it and share it. I love Titus 2.10, showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. The message puts it beautifully. And this is like for us. Then their good character, our good character, is going to shine through our actions. That's that transform life that we talked about in our vision. 
our transformed life, that character is going to shine through our actions, adding, and it's going to highlight, it's going to add luster to the teachings of our Savior God. You know, the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, you are watched every single day. No matter where you are, you're watched. If you're a student at University of Iowa, people are watching you. If you're at the hospital, people are watching you. Patients are, are watching you. If you're in a courtroom, uh, the jury's watching you. The judge is watching you. The people, the defendants are, are watching you. They're watching you. And they need an expression of God in a personality that they can relate to. And the fact of the matter is, folks, there are going to be some people who will never be reached unless you do your part as you're going through life in your sphere of influence. That's the only way that they'll be reached. So you've got to live it, but it doesn't stop there. You've got to live it, but you also have to share it. But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy always being prepared. And here's, here's where you have to share it, making a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness. Do it with respect. See, it's not enough just to think that all I have to do is live the Christian life. You have got to share it. Have you ever heard anybody say this? And I've heard it, unfortunately, dozens of times. Well, I don't ever really tell anybody about Jesus. I just want to live like Jesus. Have you ever heard that? I, I hear it all the time, unfortunately. But I want you, just for a second, to think of the ego behind that statement. I want, I want you to think of the audacity of a statement like that. Like, I don't really have to share it. I don't really have to do that. I just want to live it. I'm not, I'm not downplaying living. But think of the audacity that I really don't have to share it. Think for a moment what that means. That means what you're thinking in your mind is, I have attained such a level of perfection that the only thing people will have to do is watch me live life, and I am living a life so perfect that people just fall down on their knees and trust Jesus as their Savior. Jesus didn't even do that. And Jesus was perfect. I mean, what, what did Jesus, he, just the beginning of the Gospels, that's exactly, he had to tell them the truth. Yes, he lived the truth perfectly, but he also had to share the truth. Think of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He had to tell him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And that's, that's like us. So we, we absolutely, we need to gather we need to gather together. We, we need to worship together. We need to grow together. In other words, we have got to get in the huddle. We better spend a week getting ready, you know, to, to face um, Iowa State. You know, we've got to do our homework, but I'll tell you what, you don't just sit in the huddle on the field. You've got to move the ball. It's time to go and get going. So let me just say, how do you get going? Let me give you some practical practical examples of how do you get going and how do you keep going. Here's number one. Make a prayer list for those in your sphere of influence in your life and start daily praying for them. Pray that God will open up a door. They're watching your life. Pray that God would open up a door, give you an opportunity to share the good, be a witness, share the good news of the gospel in your sphere of influence. Secondly, 
build that bridge, build a bridge of listening and loving and caring for the people in your lives around you. It could be through the context of a community group, which is an awesome way because we'll remember in our mission, pursuing Jesus together in everyday life. So it could be in the context of a community group, could be the context of your family. Build a bridge by listening and caring and loving. I'll never forget, there's a foreign exchange student from China who was sharing, getting ready to be baptized, and shares years and years ago. I don't, I don't remember his name, probably couldn't pronounce it anyway. But I do remember what he shared when he was asked to give his testimony. He said this. He said, that man, I don't remember who that was either. He said, but that man so cared for me. He built, a, he built a bridge between my heart and his heart, and Jesus walked across it. I think that's what a beautiful picture. That man cared for me. He built a bridge between my heart and his heart, and then Jesus walked across it. That's the picture of loving, listening, caring. Build that bridge, because everybody's hurting somewhere. That's why it says of Jesus in Matthew 9, when, he saw, when Jesus saw the crowds, that should be us, we're looking at the crowds as we're going through life, he had compassion for them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Folks, listen, you, you'll never be moved out there until, until you're moved in here, until the heart is moved. And, and Jesus makes this promise right here, right here in Matthew 9. He's saying, if you're moved in here and you start caring and have compassion and love and listening to the people around you, he says, at that point, we will never lack for labor. There will never be a labor shortage if people as they're going through life love and care and listen like that. Number three, uh, third, third easy application, invite, just invite them to a worship service. Invite them to your community group. Next week, perfect opportunity. Invite them to come. We're even providing lunch after Invite them to a worship service. What a, what a, I can't even imagine a better time to start inviting somebody than the traits of a, of a disciple coming up. It'd be an awesome time to do it. Invite them and sit down with them uh, with your little lunch. I guess we're getting a box or something. Sit down with them and, and just talk. Be open. Be human. Take your mask off. I love the old Mercedes commercials. A, a number of years ago, they were advertising some new safety features, but the punchline of the, of the safety features of Mercedes was this. Some things, are, are, some things in life are just too important not to share. And that's so true. They're just, the life that Jesus can give to people, it's just news that's too important not to share. So build that bridge of love, you know, invite them, sit down, and just be a witness. I once was blind, now I see. It can be that simple. Fourthly, expect God to use you. Expect God to use you. Uh, without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. Lord knows there, there are way too many things in life that we have zero control over. 
You can't control your own personal DNA. I mean, in other words, you can't choose your parents. That's done. You can't choose your background or where you were born. You can't choose that. You, you can't choose your, your abilities. You can't choose the receptivity that other people have for you that you're ministering to. But there are some things you can control. You know, you can control how much do you really believe God. You can control that. That's your choice. Are you willing to believe God for that opportunity? So trust God for that. That's your choice. And then the, the beauty of that, Second Chronicles says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Then the last thing I want to I want to end with this. You, you know, this is a mission for life. Th this is your life mission. So don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. You, you know, when I think of the great people that I know, great Christians in my life, you know, great people are just ordinary people who refuse to quit. They refuse to give up. That's, that, that's what a great person is. They have an extraordinary amount of determination. They don't have an extraordinary amount of ability. They have an extraordinary amount of determination. They're the oaks of the Christian life. An oak tree is just a little nut that refuses to give up its ground. I, I love this quote. It's, I don't even know who it's from. It's someone who once said, you don't determine a man's greatness by his talent by his education, by his wealth, by his charisma, but you determine a man's greatness by what it takes to discourage him. What does it take to cause that person to quit? That's why Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary, let's don't grow weary of doing good, for in in due season, in other words, it's not going to be instantaneous. It's going to take time, could take years. In due season, we're going to reap if we do not give up. Proverbs 24 says, the righteous, the, the, even the righteous are going to fall seven times, but they'll rise again. The wicked are going to fall. They're going to stumble in times of calamity. But the righteous are the ones. Even, even they're going to st seven times mean the perfect number. In other words, we're going to constantly be falling, right? Even righteous people, you're constantly going to fail, constantly blow it, but the righteous will get up. They don't, they're not going to give up. They don't stay down. I started with an example of Paul looking at his mission for life He's just saying, look, life isn't even worth anything if I don't use it for the work assigned for me. Did, did David ever, was David a righteous man who fell over and over and over? Oh, man, yeah. Thank God this playbook is honest. It gives us the honest truth about David, how many times he blew it. And yet, you know what it says of David in Acts chapter 13? I love this. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, I love that too, because every generation's a little different. It's going to look different in every generation. But David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. Isn't that great? 
That's my prayer for absolutely every single one of us. That, that's my aim here, is so that every single one of us will see what God has called us to as we're going through life to be the person God has called us to be, that we're faithful doing that, to serve the purpose of God uniquely in our own generation. You know, each generation isn't going to look the same. It's going to be different. My generation is vastly different from college generation today. But I'm going to be faithful to that purpose. He's called me in my generation. And then you know what? I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. Uh, my prayer for you is that you will faithfully, steadfastly serve God's purpose in your generation. Well, I want to close with a prayer of commitment. But before I do, I, I want to remind you of a few things. These are critical things to remember. You've already, I've already tested you, so you're, you already remember that next week's going to be different, 1030. Please invite somebody to come with you. That's one of the applications. Invite somebody. That's simple. Um, pick up your book on the way out, the DNA book. It's awesome. So well written, so well done. It's going to be a, a blessing over these next number of weeks. We've had communion. Whenever we have communion, we don't pass an offering plate, but we do have some boxes in the back on your way out. Uh, if you need some prayer, uh, there'll be people up front here to, to pray with you. We'd love to do that. And since we did have communion, you probably still have your little cups. Just, hey, stick them, grab them, and then uh, there's some receptacles, the trash cans, and just drop them on the, on the way out. So... But I do want to end with this. You know, I look, I look out upon you guys, and I'll tell you what. I see so much incredible potential. I see, you know, young guys from, guys and gals from college and uh, older men and women who are so vibrant and so filled with life. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that if God would just take this service, just this service, just think about it. And if while we are going through life, we're the disciples that God wants us to be, making a difference, pursuing Jesus together in everyday life, our lives being transformed so that our city's going to be renewed, so that our world will be changed. Man, how awesome. How awesome will that be? I mean, that will cause a revival. That will result in, an, in a revival, not just Iowa City, but America and the whole world. But it's got to start with us, every single individual, one of us, and then us collectively as a group. So I just want to pray for us. And just let's all stand together. Let's stand and we'll close with this. I want to pray. And it's sort of a prayer of commitment. So just pray it for yourself. I'll, I'll pray it as if I'm you, but you agree with me in prayer, okay? Uh, Father, I want you to use me. Lord, I, I want you to know that I'm a, available to you. So this morning, Lord, I want to reaffirm my commitment to be yours. Lord, use me. I want you to use me anytime, anywhere, any place. Help me to become a, a person of faith. Lord, you're going to have to give me your vision for my life and, and help me to be willing to risk Help me to be willing to attempt great things for you, to expect great things from you. But Lord, I admit sometimes I just get tired and it, I want to throw in the towel, but Lord, help me never to give up, to be persistent, but at the same time to be patient, to be loving and compassionate, to, to hear and to care. But Lord, by faith, I'm asking you to work in my life. And I'm asking in advance, Lord, for what you're going to do. 
Lord, may I not be defeated by Satan, but patiently and faithfully endure under the power of your Holy Spirit that you promised that you would be with us always. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for these men and women. Uh, I thank you so much for our staff. Thank you for, for Doug, for the elders, for the leaders of this church. Um, and, Lord, I ask your blessing upon them. Anoint them with your Holy Spirit, with your strength, with your power. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you, God willing, next week with your friend at 1030.